0: Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Radio Free Acton. This is, of course, the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. My name is Mark Van der Maas, pleased to be your host today. As we talk about some religion, but mostly liberty today, and, and religious liberty fits under those, I'm joined today in studio by Dr. Gerard Lomero. Dr. Lomero, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Happy to be here.
0: And uh, Dr. Lomero was here today uh, at Acton, uh, participating in our Acton lecture series, delivering a, uh, a speech on, on American liberty and the threats that we face today in that area, and the reductions in liberty that we are experiencing. And... Uh, while you were talking today, uh, a, a couple of quotes actually came to mind uh, as I was listening to you in the room. One of them is, of course, from our namesake, uh, Lord Acton, who most famously said, and this is, I, I suppose this quote comes to mind almost every time we have someone come in and speak at the Acton Institute, but power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Famous quote, very famous quote, and and I think it's applicable, especially as we talk about the progressive impulse in American politics. Uh, which you talked about today—the progressives, the statists—who—who who, uh, see government as a means to do good, a, a means to shape society—they uh, seek power essentially, and that power gets corrupted. But there's a there's another quote, and I, I I'd really like to hear what you think about this. This. Is, is from our, our favorite, uh, anyone who's listened to Radio Free Acton knows, our favorite president uh, in, in in these studios is Calvin Coolidge. Uh, we've talked with Amity Schlaes about her book on Calvin Coolidge, and uh, uh, Ray Nostein has done a lot of work uh, here at Acton uh, digging into Calvin Coolidge's thought and his speeches, and he gave a speech, his presidency coincided with the 150th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, and I just want to, want to lay this out. It's a little bit of an extended quote, but I think it really, uh, it, it really resonates with what you said today. Uh, Coolidge said, It's often asserted that the world has made a great deal of progress since 1776, that we've had new thoughts and new experiences which have given us a great advance over the people of that day, and that we may therefore very well discard their conclusions for something more modern. But that reasoning cannot be applied to this great charter. He's referring to the Declaration of Independence. He says, If all men are created equal, then that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. If governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these propositions. If anyone wishes to deny their truth or soundness, the only direction in which he can proceed historically is not forward, but backward toward the time when there was no equality, no rights of the individuals, no rule of the people. Those who wish to proceed in that direction cannot lay claim to progress. They are reactionary. Their ideas are not more modern but more ancient than those of our revolutionary fathers. That was Calvin Coolidge speaking in the 1920s. Uh, and and that, that the same people that he was talking to back then, they still exist today, don't they?
1: Yes, and uh, he's exactly right. You know, the reason America has become the wealthiest nation and has had the best economy, although it is under current strong assault, is the fact that we had the most economic freedom for many, many years, and that freedom allowed new businesses to start, it allowed capital to form and to create startups. it allowed uh, uh, more people to be hired, and the list goes on and on. The economic benefits go on and on, so yes, freedom leads to, among other things, economic growth and prosperity.
0: When we talk about freedom, uh, there's, there's, of course, economic freedom. That's one of the great benefits that we've had here in the United States over the years but but freedom is 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 beyond just an economic freedom there are a lot of elements to freedom that you talked about there are different types of freedom that in the, there and there are different elements to those freedoms that are necessary in order for us to fully be free what are what are the you mentioned three chief freedoms, I think, that well, the, you talked about.
1: The three categories that are uh, mainly thought of are religious freedom, political freedom, and economic freedom. But we can dive down another layer, and, and that is that within uh, religious freedom, there are five basic Essential components of religious freedom. There are seven essential components of political freedom, and there are ten essential components of economic freedom. There are also another three, uh, sort of a miscellaneous category of freedoms that are necessary. If you put those all together and add them up, there are twenty-five essential components of freedom to have a free nation, and we are losing one after another, and we are moving. Uh, slowly toward a socialist-type society with all of the problems uh, that come up when you have that situation.
0: For the sake of argument, can you pick out a couple of areas, just pick two, maybe maybe one or two areas where you, you can see a definite loss of freedom that we've experienced here that maybe, maybe sometimes goes under the radar screen, maybe uh, American citizens don't think too much about it, but areas where freedom has been curtailed.
1: Yeah, I go into a lot of those in various chapters in the book. I'll just pick one from each category, major category. Mm -hmm. So in the area of uh, religious freedom, one of the components, the essential components, is the freedom of expression and action, which means I have whatever belief I have, whatever faith in God I have, whatever religious tradition I belong to, Catholic, Jewish, Protestant, what have you, uh, I have the freedom to express, Express that in the public square I have the freedom to say you know this issue is a moral issue it's not just a political issue and here's how my faith informs the morality of this situation but people are not supposed to mention God they're not supposed to mention their morality and so that's one area religious freedom uh, let's go to a similar one in political freedom one of the seven components of political freedom is the freedom of speech And and another one is academic freedom. In both those areas, we're limited every time we turn around. We're not supposed to mention God. We're not supposed to mention our real true beliefs. Uh, Phil Mickelson, the great golfer in Southern California, he said he was upset because 63% of his income was taxed. And he was just hit hard because he complained about his tax bill. Why doesn't he have a right to say what he thinks about the tax bill? Just because he makes more money than the average person, he doesn't have a right to air his opinion? That's ridiculous. And in the classroom, how many kids have been uh, stopped from saying what they want or putting an essay on a topic they like and then getting a bad grade from the professor because they didn't agree with the professor? Uh, In the economic sphere, it's limitless, uh, all the problems. I'll, t- I'll take one, for example, that I like to use, and that's uh, the freedom of regulatory restraint. We should have a government, we should be free of a heavy amount of regulations in our life. And you look at our society now, since 1993, we have... Around 15,000 new federal regulations, we've had in that roughly the same time period 477,000 public notices which are related to regulations, and uh, we also have on the books today over 15,000 executive orders. Can you imagine? 15,000 orders by the president. Now, you put all that together, that's a lot of stifling rules and regulation. That's part of the reason the economy is in the worst, worst recovery we've had in 100 years because we're being stifled everywhere we turn. And we can go into lots of specifics, but I know your podcast isn't going to last for two days. So. <laughs> we,
0: we could. I, I mean, in theory we could, but I don't know if our listeners could hang with us for that long. The, the, the idea that all of, it, it, I think one of the common ideas that you run into today is that these regulations, the rules, the laws, the executive orders, all these different things that are done by the government supposedly on our behalf are done because they're necessary. They're, it's necessary in order to have a society that functions fairly. Uh, we need to have an active and engaged government that goes out and watches and and make and, and adjusts at the edges and sometimes at the center to make sure that well, there's a there's a level playing field and that everyone has their fair shake.
1: Well, that's not true. Uh, awful lot of these regulations, maybe the the vast majority, are totally unnecessary. Let's take the FDA and new drug approvals, uh, uh, device approvals. In Europe, which isn't exactly the fastest place on earth to get something approved, uh, given their uh, welfare state mentality in many countries, it takes roughly seven or eight months to get something approved so that uh, consumers can use the the benefit of that that device or whatever. Do you know what it is in the U.S.? It's 31 months. How come here it's 31 months in Europe, which is uh, already a big government, uh, how come it can be done in seven months?
0: It, it's amazing the uh, the level of government that I think Americans have become accustomed to for a nation that was founded on ideas of liberty, for a nation that was founded out of what, what essentially amounts to a tax revolt in Boston, um, it, we now probably... I, I suppose – I think it's probably fair to say that we have more government intervention in our lives, vastly more government intervention in our lives that, than King George ever imagined uh, when, when, the, when the founding fathers led a rebellion, a revolution.
1: Right now, believe it or not, you're just staying in the, the medical area, the Affordable Care Act is pushing companies in the medical device uh, area overseas. They're moving their headquarters to do innovation. Mm-hmm. America used to be the, the heart of uh, pharmaceutical and medical innovation new procedures, new devices, uh, you name it, new drugs and that. But because of the outlandish taxation through the Affordable Care Act, and by the way, I don't like to use the term Affordable <laughs> Care Act. But but at any rate, even if we allow them that uh, euphemism, uh, look at what it's, it's doing. I think it's $80 billion tax on medical devices, something like that. It, and uh, there's a new article in the Wall Street Journal uh, just today on that. And so a lot going on, uh, but unfortunately, it's stifling the economy, we could have a much more robust economy. By the way, it's also stifling new job creation. And right now we have in the working age population about 93 million Americans who are not working. Many have just totally given up because they can't find anything close to what they think they're talented in. And and all of these uh, people could be working, paying taxes, and building up the gross domestic product uh, with whatever goods and services they create. But we're losing all of that because of this heavy burden of regulations.
0: I am speaking with Dr. Gerard Lomero, who is uh, a lecturer today at the Acton Lecture Series and author, philosopher, economist, engineer – Quite a uh, quite a resume there. I want to make sure before we wrap up that I mention your books. You've authored a number of books, including America's Economic War, uh, Choosing the Good Life, and the book that you spoke, I, th- I think, most directly on today, which is Renewing America and its Heritage of Freedom, which is available on Amazon and other electronic booksellers. It's available uh, in too. paperback and uh, for your Kindle and other uh, e-readers. Your uh, website as well, you have a website, com.
1: Right, GerardLamero.com, and since it's a hard name to spell, I usually tell people, go to RenewingAmericaBook.com, RenewingAmericaBook.com. That's my website, I do a weekly blog on these type of topics, and... Uh, It'll give you a lot of free information, too.
0: Some great resources there for anyone who's interested in, in freedom. And, and you, you, in, the, in the book, you've given a lot of uh, tips and advice and even a plan on what people can do to start reclaiming American liberty.
1: Uh, every American who loves freedom ought to be active and do what it takes. And there are a lot of good things in there, a good plan to follow. And there's something for everybody and everybody should be involved remember i believe hardcore socialists in the united states amount to only fifteen percent of the population i think freedom-loving americans amount to eighty five percent a lot of freedom-loving americans have really gotten depressed over the situation in the country and have given up and sitting home. And I think just the opposite. Uh, There's no election we can't win if all freedom-loving Americans vote in a particular election. And if we have a clear-cut choice between a freedom-loving person and somebody who loves socialism and power, uh, we can win that election.
0: And this is nonpartisan, of course. This isn't isn't a Democrat-Republican thing. There are there are people in both parties across the spectrum who, who, are, are socialists. who are statists, who are socialists and we need to be aware of that.
1: And we need to be smart and if we can't find somebody in the current election then we start start we should start thinking about running ourselves or finding new people <laughs> who agree with us and who really advocate in favor of freedom.
0: Renewing America Book is the website. Uh, Dr. Gerard Lamero, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. We appreciate it.
1: Mark, it's been fun.
0: Thank you very much.